Thank you, Doug. Thank you. It's wonderful to sing the good news, right? Isn't it wonderful to sing about the good news that came to you, the gospel, the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ? And thank you for leading us. And I remember hearing a testimony of a man uh, who is now with the Lord, but he had the opportunity to talk with a famous evangelist when that evangelist was on his deathbed. And uh, this uh, friend of mine was able to ask him, what would, you, what would you say would be one of the secrets to your ministry that's made you so effective? And the man who was on his deathbed had been greatly used of the Lord. A little tear trickled down his head as he was lying there on the pillow. And he said, I guess it might be this. I never lost the wonder of it all. We don't ever want to lose the wonder of the Lord Jesus Christ and his grace. We want the gospel to be fresh and new in our hearts, alive. And I pray that the word of God will help that to happen this morning. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians. If you turn there, that's on page 986, if you're using the Bible that's provided, page 986. First Thessalonians chapter 1, and you might also want to be ready to turn back in just a few moments to the book of Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 17. We're going to be looking at chapters 1 and 2 for the next a uh, couple of weeks, few weeks here in our worship. And I'm going to ask us to begin by just reading together from God's Word, verses 1 through 10 of chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians. The Bible says, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, 
who delivers us from the wrath to come. Amen. Now, whenever I read this passage in the last few years, I'm reminded of a scene that's just etched on my mind. It's a scene that comes from a mission trip that I made a few years ago with a small group from our church. We were going over to Romania to be involved in some teaching and training of men and women in ministry. And on this particular flight over to Europe, we had a, a layover for a night and part of a day in Munich, Germany. And so we flew through the night and course you know all the the time change that's involved in that and when we arrived and finally got to our hotel which was in a, a small town a few miles from the airport named Friesen Germany in Bavaria area when we arrived there we were all just absolutely dead I mean everything within my fiber uh, wanted to go to bed and uh, some of the members of the team uh, succumbed to that temptation, <laughs> all right? And uh, I knew, though, that if I did not push myself to try to get on Europe time zone, I was going to pay for it for the next several days. This was not my first time to do this. So I decided to keep moving. So I walked out of the hotel and I just knew I have to keep moving. If I stand still, I'm going to fall asleep. I'm so tired. So I looked down the street and there were some bicycle rentals. And I thought, that's the ticket. That'll keep me awake. So I went and rented a bicycle for several hours. And some of you are thinking, oh, that was brilliant, Sam. I decided I would go with that plan with jet lag on a bicycle near Munich. And so that was my plan. And I did that. I'm just riding around the streets. And this particular small town, it's very, very old, centuries old. So it was really neat to go through some of that, those old uh, Bavarian streets and the shops is really beautiful. Finally, I found a, a path that went down by the river, the Iser River that flows through Munich and that part of Bavaria. And I just kept pedaling and pedaling. It was a beautiful day. It was in early September, blue skies, yeah, nice temperatures, uh, grain was growing outside in the fields, out in the country. So I just kept pedaling and pedaling along this path next to this river. And so finally, I decided to stop and just take in the sunshine, catch my breath a little bit. And while I was standing there looking over this beautiful valley, I heard off in the distance the ringing of a church bell. It was a noon on a Saturday. And there was some kind of festival that was taking place in that whole region. But as I was standing there, then other churches around the area started picking up the chime as well. And so coming over that beautiful valley, standing out there, looking in this glorious sight, there was just this music of these ringing church bells echoing and echoing and echoing over that beautiful valley. And I don't know who the fellow was that first started pulling the rope. 
But he was pulling my heartstrings. I want you to know that. And he was leading me in worship. And I just had a time there thanking God for the privilege of being there, thanking the Lord for what a day, his goodness, his faithfulness, and just to be able to savor the wonderful love of God, even displayed in those sights and sounds. I never will forget that. Etched in my memory, and I especially think of it every time now I come to this verse of scripture. I want you to see it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul says, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. Do you see that word, sound forth? That word, we get our word, echo from that. The word of the Lord has echoed forth from you. It's gone from you, your life, into your community, Thessalonica. It's echoed out into Macedonia. It's echoed out from there down to Achaia, the greater area. It's echoed there all around the world. The gospel is ringing echoing from you. That's the thought that is on my heart for this series of messages. I want us to be involved in these next few weeks here early in this brand new year, focusing on 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2. I want us to think about what it means to have lives that have an echo, lives that have the echo of the gospel. We're reproducing the gospel in others so that from our lives to those around us in our region, in our area, and yes, even to the world, that there is an influence that goes out from us as individuals and from us as a church reproducing gospel life in others. An echo, you'll see if you'll notice the front of your bulletin, echo, the verb means to be repeated or to reverberate after the original sound has stopped. After the gospel has come into someone's life, that life continues to reverberate and reproduce that gospel life in others. And I want that to be our focus. And I know that God wants that to happen in my life in the coming year more than ever. He wants it to happen in so many lives here. He wants you to recognize your life has an echo. And it reaches so much further than you can ever imagine. And the Lord wants the gospel to echo from this church in the coming days in a powerful way, reproducing the gospel in others. I believe that. And so let that be our focus as we're going to be in this passage for the next few weeks. But 
What I thought we'd do, first of all, just to understand what Paul is talking about here, we need the background, we need the context as we get started today. So what I want to do is just begin by tracing that gospel echo, tracing the gospel echo that came to Thessalonica, how this gospel echo was resounding forth from them. And I have a map. I wish it could be a little larger for you in the back, but just so you'll get a a view here, here is the Roman world at 50 AD. That's about the very time that Thessalonians was written. And up there near what we would call today Greece, you see that green star. That's where Thessalonica is located. Paul came there from over modern day Turkey, which is Asia Minor, came over, landed at Philippi and made his way up to Thessalonica. And Paul is saying, from you, the gospel has gone forth in your whole region, Macedonia. And then it's extended beyond you. You see, Southern Greece is called Achaia. And then he says, it's gone everywhere out into the Roman empire The reverberation of the gospel has gone out from you. Now, when I read that from Thessalonica to Achaia, Macedonia, Achaia to the world, I was reminded of what Jesus said in Jerusalem. You remember in Jerusalem? Jesus said this, in Jerusalem, speaking to his disciples, Acts chapter 1 It's recorded, he said, you will be witnesses to me where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, notice Thessalonica was the ends of the earth just a few years before. And the gospel had gone out from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the nations. We talked about that last Fall, as we were in that series, Renew, how Jesus changes everything. And those shockwaves of Christ reached right up to the city of Damascus. You see that? It's shown here. Near the city of Damascus, there was a man by the name of Saul, a religious leader, and the Lord Jesus knocked Saul off his high horse, (laughs) literally. And Paul met the original sound, the original sound of the gospel. What's the original sound of the gospel echo? The original sound of the gospel is the resurrected Jesus. Friends, every sound of the gospel, written, sung, shared in witness, sermon, shared in print, shared in CD, shared in any form over the years, finds its way back to Jesus Christ. Paul met the resurrected Lord, and I don't know how long Paul was shaking. I mean, he was all shook up. Finally, he stopped shaking. But let me tell you something. Paul never stopped reverberating. The Lord had come into his life and his life was alive with Jesus Christ. 
And where he went, Christ in the gospel of Jesus went with him. And he went to Thessalonica taking the sound of the gospel with him, the message of the gospel. And that was 15 years later. 15 years later or so, Paul makes his way to Thessalonica with his colleague Silas. And then we're told how the gospel echo reached Thessalonica. That's the next thing I want you to see. The gospel echo in Paul, message of Christ, reaches Thessalonica. And we read about it. Notice, if you would now, turn in your Bible, I ask you to be ready. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 17, if you're using the Bible provided. That's page 926. And I want us to get the backstory. What was it like when the gospel came to Thessalonica and this man, these two men alive with the message of Jesus began to resound. What happened? Well, Acts 17 tells us. Verse one. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. Now notice Paul's ministry was very brief, only three weeks, three Sabbath days. On three Saturdays, he went into the synagogues and he began to teach and he had a very focused Message. Do you notice? It's very focused. He didn't come telling his big stories. He didn't come about all of his experiences, but his focus was this. Notice verse 3. He was explaining and proving from what? From the scriptures that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. Isn't it interesting? The great apostle Paul came to Thessalonica, this pagan city, with his trust in one thing, the word of God. He believed that the message of the word of God, the message of the gospel was powerful. And he would share it very focused. He was sharing the scriptures. He was very clear. He's explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead. He's taking people to what we would call the Old Testament. He's taking them to the Jewish writings, the Holy Scripture, and showing that it prophesied that the Christ must first suffer and then rise from the dead. And he was very direct. Paul is full of love, but he's also very clear. He says in verse 3, This Jesus whom I proclaim to you, he is the Christ. This Jesus. He is the Christ. Now that was Paul's ministry. Very short, very focused, very clear, very direct. 
what were the results from these two men coming to town, reverberating with the gospel? What were the results? Well, notice there's always two results to the gospel. You can be guaranteed. When the gospel is being shared, these two results will be there. First of all, there were conversions. People were converted. They were born again by the gospel of Christ. Verse 4, it says, And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. Now it says some of them. Who are the some? These are Jewish people who've been coming to the synagogue. They're persuaded that Paul is teaching the good news, the truth of Jesus, the Messiah. Some of them. But then it says there were a great many of the devout Greeks. Who are those? Those are Greek people who've been worshiping the God of Israel in the synagogue. They're not Jewish, they're Gentile, but they've been worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and now a great many of them believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and it says a few leading women, that means influential women, Some of the most influential women in the city became believers in Jesus. I always smile a little bit when I read that verse of scripture because I'm reminded of what a British lady who was of nobility said many years ago. She was a devoted follower of Jesus. And she used to say this. She said, I was saved by an M. I was saved by an M. And people say, what do you mean you were saved by an M? And she said, the apostle Paul says, not many noble are called, but he didn't say, not any. (laughs) I've been saved by an M. (laughs) The gospel is the same for the most humble and the most influential, all the ground Gospel ground is level ground, right? And they believed there were conversions. But now notice what else there was from sharing the gospel. There was conflict. There's always going to be conversions to the gospel, but there's going to be also conflict. Verse five, notice what happened. But the Jews were jealous. Now, when it says the Jews here, it doesn't mean all the Jews as a group. It means the Jewish religious leaders. Paul himself is Jewish and followers of Jesus are Jewish. But the Jewish leaders were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob set the city in an uproar, attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. 
I noticed this week as I was reading through my through the year Bible plan. And once again this year, I'm trying to read through the Bible in one year. As I said last Sunday, three chapters in the Old Testament each day, two chapters in the New Testament. You'll read the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice in one year. And folks, I want to encourage you, it's still plenty of time. You can catch up, all right? But as I was reading this week in Matthew, Jesus said, they will persecute you just as they have persecuted me. And I began to think, how was Jesus persecuted? He was persecuted by religious leaders who were jealous of him, who did not want Jesus to get in the way of their religion. And they stirred up the mob against him. They stirred up uninformed people, the populace, against him. And then they called in the civil authorities and brought in political opposition. That's how Jesus was persecuted. And friends, that has been the history of followers of Jesus to this very day. When the gospel is being proclaimed with love, but it's being proclaimed in truth, there will be religious opposition to that clear message of Christ alone. There will be uninformed people who are stirred up and angry about it, and there will be political opposition. But I want you to notice something, and I couldn't help but chuckle as I thought about it this week, reading chapter 17. One thing you can say about these people in Thessalonica who were opposing Paul and Silas, they were right. Verse 6, the men who've turned the world upside down have come here. They have turned the world upside down, or we might say they turned it right side up, right? But they turned it upside down, how? By sharing the gospel. By sharing the message of Jesus, the good news of Christ, crucified, resurrected, ascended, coming again, of salvation by God's grace in Jesus. That was earth-shaking. And they turned the world upside down. And what did they share? They shared the gospel truth, saying what? Verse 7. These men are saying there is another king, Jesus. They would not step away from that. They would not bow to a religious authority. They would not bow to political authority. They had met Christ. They knew his freedom. He was their master, and their master was not Claudius in Rome. Their master was Jesus Christ in heaven. He was their master. There is another king, Jesus. The opposition and the uproar was so dangerous that the new be, these new believers said, we've got to get Paul and Silas, we've got to get them out of Dodge. <laughs> this, this is getting dangerous. So they get Paul and Silas out of town by night 
And I can just imagine that those who were opposing Paul and Silas were probably thinking when they found out about the next day, good riddance. Got rid of those guys. But what they didn't realize is that Paul and Silas left something behind. When they left town, they left their echo. The echo of their life was still resounding in others. You see, Paul and Silas came and they came to Thessalonica and they rang the gospel bell and that gospel could not be unrung. It was ringing in the lives of new believers and they were reverberating in this new life in Jesus Christ and no authority, no power could stop that. Now, I want you to notice as we turn back just for a few minutes to 1 Thessalonians 1. Turn back there if you would, the 1 Thessalonians 1. I want you to see that this gospel echo is reproduced and it's resounding in the lives of the Thessalonians. Paul and Silas have left, but Paul gets testimony that they are still resounding. They are still reproducing the gospel. And he's so encouraged, he writes them this letter that we call 1 Thessalonians. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 1 and 2. And here's what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on how Paul reminds those believers then and how he reminds us now. And he inspires those believers then and he inspires us now about the kind of living, listen, the kind of living that reproduces and resounds the gospel. What kind of lives reproduce the gospel? What kind of lives resound the gospel. That's going to be our focus for the next five weeks. What kind of living produces a godly echo? What kind of living reproduces gospel life in others? What does that sound like? What does it sound like in someone's life when their life is reproducing the gospel. What does it sound like? Well, we're going to open that up over the next few Sundays, but let me just give you this quick overview. Look at chapter one. What we're going to find out, it sounds like this. It sounds like intentional living, living on purpose, living on purpose. Verse 4 and verse 5, chapter 1. For we know, brothers, loved by God, he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. 
He says, we were very intentional when we came to you. We came to you with the gospel. We came to you with the good news. We were very intentional about what we wanted to see the Lord do by the power of his Holy Spirit. Friends, let me tell you something. A life that echoes for Christ, a life that influences others and reproduces the God in other people's lives, that life is not accidental. It's intentional. All of us have an echo from our life. All of us are sending out waves of our, from our living that influence others. The question is, are we intentional about what that influence is going to be? It doesn't happen by accident, but by intention. A life that reproduces the gospel in others is intentional, but you know what? It's also relational. It's also very relational. Listen to this in verse five. Paul says in verse five, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord for you received the word with much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit. Notice that you know you know observation. We were among you. We weren't isolated. We're, it's not like Paul and Silas were just standing, shouting out on the street corners. They weren't out trying to win arguments. They weren't out trying to prove a point. They weren't trying to, you know, collar people and push their index finger up into their chest. That's not what they were doing. No, they came to be among these people and people could observe them so that they could become, notice, imitators. Do you see that? That we get our word mimic from that. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. Some people say, listen, don't follow me follow the Lord. If people follow you, you're not perfect, but if they follow you, they should be following the Lord. Amen. Imitators. That's, that's relationship. That's relationship. They could observe it. They could see it. They could hear it. There was influence. Folks, I have a question for you. Outside of your immediate family, and certainly that's where this should begin. But outside of your immediate family, where are you receiving that? Where are you in a relationship with a few other people or a group of people that their lives are reverberating into you? Where are you reproducing your life? Who have you intentionally, again, outside of your family, it begins there. Who are you intentionally seeking to influence for Christ? Who are you developing a relationship with? Where is that in your life? You see, folks, it's intentional. 
and it's relational. We need community. And community needs us. It's relational living. Notice thirdly, just quickly, it's missional living. We read this early. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Caia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. You have become an example. Now, isn't this beautiful? Paul and Silas came. They are reverberating with the gospel. They get in relationship with some people in Thessalonica. They're sharing Christ. They're living Christ. Those people become imitators of them. They become alive with Jesus. Then they become examples for others. And that example is sending out echoes. Thessalonica, Macedonia, Achaia, the end of the earth. You see, their example produced their echo. Their example produced the echo. Folks, we have such an opportunity. Personally, we have such an opportunity as a church to reproduce the gospel. One life at a time. Groups. Our community. Where we work. Where we play. Where we live. And friends, in this world that we, we, we live in, if it could happen then, how much more can it happen now? The influence of one person. Group of people. My heart just leaps to think about it for us. For our church. Influencing others with the gospel. Is intentional. It's relational. It it is a mission. (laughs) And it is always sacrificial. It requires sacrifice. It doesn't come easily. Here's what Paul said, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith. Note that word, work. Your labor of love. Note that word. Your steadfastness of hope. Do you see that? Faith, love, hope. It's work, it's labor, it's steadfastness. It is is sacrifice, not just existing, but willing to say, let my life ring. (laughs) I've got to sound off for something. I'm sending off waves of something. May I certainly choose that that'll be about Jesus, right? Friends, listen, there's a difference between echo and noise. (laughs) To produce a life, to live a life that just produces noise requires nothing. Just noise. But to live a life that produces an echo 
requires intentionality. It requires being relational. It requires recognizing your own mission for Christ. And it requires a willingness to sacrifice so that your life now and your life going forward continues to reverberate the gospel. You know, tomorrow night, we're going to have the celebration of life service for Debbie Thompson. That dear lady, so sweet and quiet, echoed the gospel. She reverberated with the love of Jesus Christ. Her life so impacted her family and those children. Pray for the boys and girls of her Sunday school class. Awana ministry. And now she's gone on to be with the Lord. And I, I just, when I got the message on Friday evening, I just thought, I'm so happy for Debbie free. But I want to tell you something. Her life on earth is over, but the echo of her life is going to go on and on and on till the day of Jesus. Because she lived a life, the life of the gospel. And her life is reverberated and will continue. That happened while she lived, and thank God it's happening and going to continue to happen after she lived. And I want to tell you what I believe, and I think you believe it as well. That is a hall of fame life, right? Lord, I pray that you will help us now to determine that our lives will not just be noise but they will echo. They will reverberate and resound with the gospel of Jesus. Lord, I pray and I ask you in Jesus' name for myself, for my brothers and sisters here, for us as a church family, Lord, help us. Help us to be people who sound forth the gospel where we live, play, work, where we go in this community, in this region, around the world for the glory of Christ. And Lord, I pray for those who do not know Christ, even this very morning, Lord, the gospel of Jesus would resound in their heart and they would hear the good news and look to Christ and turn from their idols to the living and true God through Christ our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.